Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. There often comes a time that you need to look to the blueprints of how something was originally planned to be built or done, because oftentimes things come up that challenge or that change what was originally drawn up. See, this often happen enough in physical things, like when a natural disaster strikes, or a building springs an unexpected leak, or some other maintenance items, and you need to look at the original drawings to figure out how best to go forward. But also, when you're making something or putting something together, it's good to look at what was originally planned. Like I do, whenever I'm putting something around the house, whether it's an instruction manual or trying to decipher the pictures or find the right video on YouTube that where they have done what you're trying to do, so you can construct it in the way that was originally planned. But also, there can be a time when you do this soul searching, this looking to what was originally planned, when a question comes up that strikes to the very essence of what it is that you are talking about. And not just about things like buildings or constructing stuff together, but even institutions or ideas and concepts. And that's what we see Jesus doing this morning with our verses from Mark chapter 10. When some Pharisees came up and asked him about divorce. And Jesus used the opportunity to teach them and to teach us not just simply about divorce in and of itself, but rather God's plan for families. Because when it comes to his plans for husbands and wives, it is God's intention that they are joined together for life as one flesh. And when it comes to the children that are typically found in a family, we see what Jesus' primary concern is. That they receive the kingdom of God through faith in who their Savior is. And as we listen to what Jesus shares with us about the original blueprints that God had in mind for what family is supposed to be, we do well to pay attention to them. To not just simply know what God intended, but also so that we may uphold it with husbands and wives joined for life and children receiving the kingdom of God. It seems to me that the Pharisees were always looking for an opportunity to to come after Jesus and to put him on the spot. And our verses this morning are no exception to that. Where they come up to Jesus and they ask him the question, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? The Pharisees, they they already knew the answer. In fact, they knew the exact wording in Deuteronomy chapter 24 where it outlines the legal procedure to get a divorce in the Israelite society of this time here. But rather, the reason why those Pharisees asked that question to Jesus because they wanted to test him in two ways. One, to see if Jesus knew his Old Testament as well as those Pharisees did on this very small point of matter But also secondly, to create division among his followers on this widely misunderstood topic that had a lot of different uh, opinions about it. But Jesus did not fall for their trap. Instead, he saw through it and recognized an opportunity to to teach them more than just about divorce, but rather what God's plan is for husbands and wives. It's in reply to these Pharisees that he brings our attention back to what we heard in our first lesson from Genesis chapter 2 to the Garden of Eden, where Jesus reviews what God had said there, how families are intended to get their start with one male and one female 
becoming one flesh, to be joined together for life that only would be separated by the Lord himself through death. And he would go on to teach the disciples in particular that if a person were to divorce their spouse, whether they are the husband or the wife, and then to marry another one without reconciling things first, they would be continuing to commit adultery with their new spouse. Even if they were to have um, done all the legal paperwork along the way there. It's with this that Jesus summarizes this whole thing by giving us this statement. The timeless truth for us today. That what God has joined together, let no one separate. And it's in that that he teaches us how divorce should be viewed. As a concession that God gave because of just how sinfully stubborn our hearts can be. We heard those specific wording earlier in our verses there. That divorce was not part of God's plan for families, and yet sometimes it simply is the best option in what is a very sad and sinful situation. A situation that sometimes requires, or that at least allows for divorce to be done, even though it's the premature separation that God never intended. There's a lot of things that we could speak about this whole topic here, about marriage and divorce and how one goes about it or the reasons that the Bible allows for it. And I, and I encourage you, if you have any questions, to speak with me after the service or to any of your other pastors about it. But to focus our attention this morning to what we're actually talking about, we see what Jesus shares with us, what divorce is in the scheme of his plans for husbands and wives. That was never intended to be there. But because of the sinful reality in which we live, sometimes it is that concession to sin. The best option in what is otherwise a very sinful and sad situation. And it's how a person views divorce that we're going to focus in specifically this morning. Because the how they viewed it in the Old Testament world or the first century Israelite world is very similar to how it's typically viewed in our own society. Rather, there's much more emphasis put on, on how to do it legally or why you can do it instead of how one should think about it in the first place. Rather than viewing divorce as the premature separation that God never intended, rather it, become, it, it can become a ready option for, for couples to think about when life is not going how they want it or the realities of life set in of what it means to be a husband and a wife. Also, too, how this divorce idea is, is rather common in our society. It becomes so normal, in fact, almost even expected for any couple to consider unless they have the picture-perfect marriage that nobody honestly has. I mean, who here this morning hasn't had divorce happen at least somewhere in their extended family or their immediate family or even with their own personal life? With the casual attitude that we are surrounded by, well, perhaps we even feed into the problem itself. When we are silent in our teaching, or are correcting, or advising, when we should be saying what no one else is going to be saying. And we don't speak up for the truth about these very important matters. While God never intended for divorce to be part of his plan for husbands and wives, let's make sure we're clear on one thing, though. Is that seldom is divorce the sin that broke the marriage. 
In many, many cases, that marriage was broken long before the papers were signed and rarely is there truly an innocent party throughout the whole process, even if it's one person who began everything. And the sins that lead to and the ones that come from divorce are no small matter either. If you've had divorce, if you've seen it firsthand, you know just how hurtful and how harmful they can be. And that's not just the two people who are now two again that it affects, but how it affects so many other people, including the children in that family, who had no part in it, but usually suffer the most from it. And yet it is this. We remind ourselves that even in sins of divorce, that there is forgiveness. Even when we wreck what God had intended to be planned for husbands and wives, even if we ourselves are the ones who have committed those sins and have wrecked it ourselves, because where there is forgiveness, where there is repentance, there is forgiveness. For those of us who have contributed to the problem by remaining silent when we should have spoken up or with our casual attitudes about the very thing itself, there also is forgiveness. Because wherever there is repentance, there is forgiveness. And even in the the hurt and the hate that divorce often brings about, there remains healing and hope. Because our Savior Jesus remains there. Upholding what God had planned for husbands and wives despite all the struggles that there are laid against it. Permitting divorce when it is the best option out of all the bad options but also forgiving repentant sinners throughout the whole process, however they're involved in it. But God's plans for families this morning is not just talking about husbands and wives and what God intended to be a blessing for people to enjoy for their entire lives, but also to the children. The children that typically fill in these families and specifically what Jesus' primary concern is for these children out of all things. Thinking back to our verses, we see how there are a number of people who are, bringing little, who are bringing little ones to Jesus. And very likely, a number of these people were parents, bringing their infant children to Jesus. We see that because the children had to be brought forward to Jesus. They couldn't just simply walk on their own to Jesus. And from Luke's parallel account of this same setting here, how he uses the specific word for a child who's young enough to still be nursing on his mother's breast. As such, we can picture the scene here that there certainly there are young parents bringing their infant children coming to Jesus, and Jesus is not happy with what the disciples are doing about it. Instead of letting them come forward to their Savior, instead those disciples are rebuking and hindering the children from coming forward. And when Jesus learns about this, he gets rather mad. Indignant was the word used in our verses here. In fact, this is one of just the handful of times we see Jesus becoming mad in the entire Bible. And you can only imagine the effect it had on his disciples to see Jesus mad at them. But, but why was it that Jesus got so mad at what the disciples did? It's because without realizing it, those disciples were, were going against what God has planned for children as well. You see, as God, Jesus wants all people to come to a knowledge of the truth and to have faith in who he is as their Savior, including little children. And in having those children come forward, he would bless them so they could receive the kingdom of God. 
Now, of all the things that Jesus could highlight about these little children before the crowd to explain why he was so mad at those disciples for hindering those little children, this is what Jesus highlights. Not their cute little toes and the adorable little sounds that infants often make, but this. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Amen, I tell you, whoever will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. What is it that Jesus highlights as being of most importance? Their faith. A faith that is a saving faith, that trusts in their Lord completely, even though they can't reason and logic like most of us here today can. It is this faith that is of primary concern because it is through this that a person receives the kingdom of God and in so doing they secure not just their physical well-being for the life ahead of them, but they secure their eternal well-being for the eternity to follow afterwards. And when it comes to God's plan for children, you look back to the family that they're often placed within. That just as, as Jesus concerned that they know who their Savior is and receive the kingdom of God, so he places them into families with the primary charge given to parents to bring their children to the Lord so they may receive that faith and receive that kingdom of God. But you see, parents, they're not on their own with this whole thing. God's also equipped them with you and me, with a church family who supports them, who encourages them, who assists them, who reminds them of this noble calling that they have to bring their little ones to Jesus so they may be in that kingdom of God. But here again, we find ourselves how we can be like those, those disciples who, who hindered the little ones from coming forward to him, even if we don't necessarily mean to. It's, it's so easy to focus and the child's physical well-being on the here and now, instead of on their eternal well-being on the there and yet to come, especially in single-parent households or ones where only one parent is, is, is a Christian. We also can hear how frazzled parents will settle for the lowest common denominator when it comes to raising their kids, that if by the time they leave the house they can fend for themselves and not get in trouble with the law, well, then they've done all right. And indeed, I support those things. I'm not saying those are not bad things to shoot for. But how they miss, without meaning to, the priority that God himself has, that they first of all know who their Savior is. And by not prioritizing that, who knows what will happen when they leave the house. Or for those of us who are blessed to be godparents and sponsors, or aunts and uncles and grandparents, do we also make mention to celebrate our loved ones' baptisms as we do their birthdays? Or at least to talk about it once in a while? Because, see, when it comes to Jesus, his primary concern for children is that they know who their Savior is. And as that is for him, so it is for us. Because he wants to include them. He, want, he desires that they be included in his kingdom and have all the blessings and promises and forgiveness that he has to every single one who has that faith to care for the eternal well-being above all other things. And how is it that God has planned for this to happen? By placing them two families. So it's not just husband and wife who are joined together for life, but also who are father and mother to bring their little one, along with all their church family, to their Savior, to have that faith and to receive their place in the kingdom of God.
when it comes to a set of blueprints, we often will look back to them when we consider how changes and challenges go against what was originally planned. And many times it is smart to do so, so we stay in line with what was originally the idea. And as we heard from Jesus mentioned in our verses this morning, he does the same thing. When the Pharisees asked him about divorce, he came and told them about God's plan for families to uphold it in, every, in, in our own day and age. And when it comes to God's plan for husbands and wives, that he intends for them to be joined together for life in the marriage union until he separates them at death. And although divorce was not part of God's plan, it certainly was allowed as a concession because of just how the situations that our sinful, stubborn hearts can get ourselves into and how we get out of them or at least go forward past them. And as we consider how to uphold God's plans for husbands and wives in our own life today, not only does that mean that we remain the increasingly minority view of what marriage is and who can enjoy this blessed union, but also have a different attitude of what divorce is as a concession given because of sinful hearts. And then when the options are right, to be slow to pursue it if that is indeed the best choice given all the circumstances going on. But God's plan for families are not just husbands and wives, but also the children in those families. And as Jesus' primary concern for them is that they receive the kingdom of God and have faith in their Savior, so it is for us as we uphold that plan for children to prioritize their eternal well-being instead of over their physical well-being so that they, first of all, know who their Savior is and then live in light of all his grace, promises, and blessings and grow and mature in light of all his love for them but also to consider our own role. Whether we are as a parent or part of the church family that supports those parents, they have the same goal. To bring these little ones to Jesus so they may receive the kingdom of God and then to encourage them to remain in that faith until we see them one day at our own side in heaven above. I pray that we may listen to what God's plan is for family, not just to simply know about it and to see what could be the case, but now is no longer rather continue to uphold it with husbands and wives joined for life and children receiving the kingdom of God. Amen.